You're listening to the Bill Chaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. The postseason for winter sports is just around the corner, and that's when Midco SN shines the brightest with live coverage of the Summit League and NSIC basketball tournaments, as well as the NCHC quarterfinals. Check out MidcoSN.com to get ready for a March to Remember. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Chaves Podcast. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast, taping this on a Monday morning, February the 17th, President's Day, Michael Jordan's birthday. It's a good day alongside Athletics Director Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Seinert. Bill, happy President's Day to you. Are you, are you more on the President's Day side or the MJ birthday side? Where, where, where do you stand? Well, given the fact that you just taught me that it's MJ's birthday, I guess I'm more on the president's side. How old is MJ now? Got to be, what, 55 or so? 57. 57 for Michael Jordan. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, still think, if I was to say in my lifetime, I probably would put him number one from a basketball player standpoint. Just, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of other um, guys that certainly can, uh, can vie for that, but uh, in just such a competitive guy holy cow and uh won six titles right last six years he played it's a pretty good resume yep yep and then president's day obviously uh you know many schools have it off university has it closed today so uh uh so lots of folks uh rolling in our office today uh such a big week of athletics here uh in grand forks and uh all of our uh, crossover sports are, are are occurring at this point so um a lot of us kind of in a little bit of a dress down mode if you will maybe wearing a hat or two but coming <laughs> in and grinding and getting some stuff done Bill Shaves wearing a Tottenham Hotspur cap, which we will get to for good reason, because you're excited about what's happening with the Spurs right now. That's going to be a fun B-side topic for later. A lot of A-side stuff today featuring around a lot of success for UND teams over this past week. Some really good moments, starting with hockey, a great sweep over the number six team in the country. This North Dakota group just keeps on rolling. The numbers really are starting to become pretty staggering, Bill, of what this team has done this season. Yeah, the... uh... You know, some folks have asked, you know, what's my thoughts even from, say, last year to this year? And uh, it feels like this team can play a lot of different ways. And that is, you know, a really... Uh, you, you know, you really have a really awesome chance every time you hit the ice when, uh, you know, you could score, you could, you could win in a shootout. Uh, we haven't seen many of those, but we've seen a couple, uh, but, but we play pretty good lockdown defense. And uh, regardless of who's been in the net, we've been getting outstanding goaltending. And so, uh, um, you know, you add all that up and uh, boy, this team is, uh, is certainly rolling and, uh, my guess is uh, chances are, well, be number one again this week. But my my guess is maybe unanimous number one. Maybe I mean that's how how well this team's playing right now. And again, I I don't think uh, you know they they have they have their goals set out and uh, you know they have vision for for other things here in the next uh, uh, month month and a half or so. And so, uh, but it's exciting. It was a great weekend. Crowds were awesome. Uh, Thank you for everyone that came out. And, uh, you know, it's always tough after a, a good win on Friday. You knew you were going to get Denver's uh, best shot on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we jumped out to a lead again. And uh, and I thought Peter was just uh, outstanding between the pipes. He's been really good. I mean, unbeaten this season. All these games coming in the second half. 6-0-1 now. And the numbers are staggering. He's only allowed a goal per game 
really since since taking over the reins a couple of weeks ago they, they've only allowed five goals in the last five games period it, it's been so impressive to see this is a good offensive team that they played this weekend I mean Denver is known for their speed and their skill and their goal, goal scoring ability and even though DU outshot North Dakota both nights there really weren't a lot of grade A opportunities and when there were good chances to score Tommy stepped up or someone would block a shot and you know it's impressive they held that team to a goal apiece on both of these nights, uh, the 4-1 win, the 3-1 win, two really complete performances. Uh, this team just does not seem to have many holes in it right now. No, and uh, and again, you can say this about any uh, any team, but when we stay out of the box, we're really hard to score on a 5-on-5. Five five. And uh, all that, you know, without uh, Colton Pullman on, on Saturday as well. So, so you know, I, I just think that anybody that has had an opportunity to step in and get some ice time have done has done a fantastic job of, of kind of seizing the moment. The depth on this team is so impressive. Guys just, like you said, guys just step up when their number gets called. Top to bottom, everybody's playing great. They now have six goal scorers that have 10 or more this season. They only had one last year. It's it's just such a strong team from top to bottom. One thing I want to ask you, Bill, how, how have you been able to enjoy this season? I know a lot of times you're on the road with the team. You're getting to watch these games. As an athletic director, though, obviously you're busy with other things as the game is going on. Have you been able really to, to kind of be a quote-unquote fan at times and just watch and enjoy the success? Or is there is there just too much going on in your world that's really limited some of that? No, I, I, I'd say that each... Each uh, weekend is its own, and I have a much better chance to to really uh, watch the team when I'm on the road with them, uh, for sure. I, I think when there's some things going on at the Ralph, you know, there's just a lot of things happening either behind the scenes uh, or things that might be going on from a donor perspective. So, so you know, those are those are you know awesome opportunities that you know you covet. The fact that, you know, we have these games uh, at home, but there's probably many more things to be done in Grand Forks uh, and you really can't dial it in uh, as much as if you're on the road. Now, the other side of it is and, uh, you know, because of uh, how the crossover occurs with all of our other sports, uh, you know, I've got a, uh, you know, secondary in, in all of the sports that I oversee and Eric Martinson does a great job from a hockey standpoint. So when we're on the road where I'm not going to be necessarily every single time, uh, either myself or Eric are there. So, so between the two of us, we try to make sure that we're, we're dialing things in. The other side of it is too, Alex, when you're at home, you know, <laughs> You're, you 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 were responsible for the operations of the actual game itself in a sense and so at some point you know some things could occur while you're uh, now we have awesome people and I'm not to say that uh, you know I, I I'm involved with with kind of the details or the nitty-gritty of some things but if something were to go left or right uh, certainly there's a time where they may need my way in on some things as well or navigate some conversation between say the league office and maybe you know coaches or something to that effect or officials and so all that to be said um, the the home home always is a little bit uh, busier if you will uh, but on the road too, you know, you're there and some things can happen when you're playing two games and you have a, you know, you spend the night, uh, you know, and you've got two games, you know, sandwiched between, uh, uh, a night stay, uh, things can occur as well. So that's why we try to be on the road with the team as well. Yeah. Bill, Bill wears a lot of different hats. One of them, of course, emergency contact, essentially, if things pop up, you're the guy 
that's going to get the call for sure. Uh, well, th- hopefully you got to enjoy this past weekend's, you know, a fifth straight win now for this team. They're 16 and one at home. They've clinched home ice now for the NCHC quarterfinals. The earliest they've done that since the 2010, 2011 season. So it's nice to have that box checked. You mentioned, obviously this team has much loftier goals, but from an administrative standpoint now, now that it's official that you're going to be home that second weekend in March, that's got to be nice that you can kind of start to plan accordingly that those things are going to happen for sure and move forward a month from now, knowing that this team is not going to be traveling that first weekend. Not sure when uh, this pod will drop on Tuesday. Probably it'll be, maybe already it'll be beyond 10 a.m., but 10 a.m. on Tuesday is when quarterfinal uh, playoff tickets will go on sale. So, you know, go to uh, go to our uh, fightinghawks.com for all the uh, all the information. And uh, you're right, Alex, uh, it, this is a uh, you know, really early time to be able to put those tickets on sale. And we tried to do some things, uh, maybe scaling some pricing as well based on uh, based on your seat location. So so anyways, read that information for sure. And uh, uh, love to pack pack out the uh, the Ralph in uh, in early to mid March when we play uh, whomever we play. It's a great plug. Yep, March 13th through the potentially 15th if the series goes three games. Get ready for that coming up a month away. NCHC quarterfinals with the Frozen Faceoff taking place the following weekend in St. Paul. UND's road to potentially a Penrose Cup title continues this next week on the road. They go to St. Cloud State Friday and Saturday. Friday's games on Midco SN, by the way, we're bringing that game back at 730. Hopefully no audio issues and swisher issues this time with the St. Cloud crew over there. Fingers crossed. And then Saturday, uh, FSN has the game and that's at six o'clock. So a little earlier start time on Saturday. North Dakota, by the way, regaining that eight point lead over Duluth, who was idle this weekend in the chase for the Penrose. A really big split on a number of different levels, but just to have that breathing space again, it got to make you feel good. It, just from a North Dakota fan, player, coach, administrator perspective right now with the Penrose, really within reach. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I, I think there's probably uh, a potential chance. There's pro- I, I'm not the mathematical equation guy, but I'm sure Mitch will have it out, uh, you know, soon at some point. And, you know, I, there's a, who knows, a potential maybe even this week. It, it could be, uh, you know, depending on how things uh, break out. But uh, but who knows? Um you know, I, I think that's certainly a goal of the team. Uh, you know, we talked about that before, is that every team that I think uh, – you know, starts the year. They 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 want they want to win their conference. I mean, that's a that's a that's a big deal. I mean, uh, over the course of time, to 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 say you've you know you've spent the last three and a half four months and you grind it out and to have that opportunity, it's in front of us. But uh, this I do know is uh, the other the other clubs are are gonna make it difficult on us for sure. And uh, you know. In, in the Duluths of the world and, and whomever, whether it be Western or, or St. Cloud or Denver, uh, you know, who knows, they could go on a run as well. I think right now the magic number is at 11. UND needs to take 11 of the last 18 points to clinch, or they need Duluth or Western to drop points. What's unique this weekend is that Duluth and Western are playing each other in Kalamazoo. So like you said, conceivably, the UND takes three points against St. Cloud on Friday. If Duluth loses that game, there's a chance then that they could potentially clinch 
on Saturday, I, I believe. I think if because Western is a handful of points back at Duluth, so I think even if Western were to win out, and then you, there's some different permutations there. But you're right; there's a chance there that it could be on Saturday if Duluth gets swept and UND wins both of those games. There is a chance, I believe, that they could clinch it this weekend. But we'll see. We know for sure if things go UND's way that final home weekend of the regular season against Western, the cup will probably be in the building that weekend, and that will be a lot of fun to have that energy back for the first time in a couple of years. No doubt. No doubt. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know this. We're going to have our hands full at St. Cloud this week. So, uh, you know, we're going to go there. I know they've been playing uh, certainly. You know, they were, you know, young, right? They, their, their last couple of years, they just had really veteran teams. And so uh, um, I guarantee you that, that we're going uh, to see a really good St. Cloud team this weekend. Yeah, I would agree. That's a Husky team that's coming off a bye as well. It's only the second time UND's played on an Olympic ice sheet this season. So there are some different challenges that come with that. Expect a couple of good games against a team that has won the Penrose Cup each of the last two seasons in St. Cloud. So Friday on MidQSN, Saturday on FSN. Basketball, just the one game for the men and for the women this past weekend. They were on the road at Western Illinois. On the men's side, a really big overtime win. This is kind of a wonky game where both teams made huge runs back and forth against each other. North Dakota able to get the 86-83 OT win against Western. Despite the fact that they were 5 for 23 from behind the arc, they made their free throws bill. 29 to 33 from the stripe that ends up being the difference. Yeah, I thought that uh, I, I listened a little bit to Paul and Jack and their call. Obviously, the men and women were both playing there, so Paul and Jack kind of flip-flop seats on the on the radio uh, uh, broadcast uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, you know, the uh, as they said it, you know, every place on the road is a difficult place to play because, you know, there's just a there's a comfort level for for all of these uh, teams that, you know, shoot. They, they know they kind of know the rims. They just they just know a lot about their place. Right. They shoot at it every single day. So I thought that, you know, we had a you know, we kind of gave. Uh, gave away a, a you know double digit lead and uh, and then to kind of fight back and, and find a way to to send it to overtime that was uh, that was tricky enough because they had the ball with about eight seconds to go they had the last shot and uh, and we found a way to play good defense and send it to overtime and then it was tough in overtime too but all that to be said found a way to win the game and uh, you know Marlon Stewart continues to have a great senior season and uh, you know uh, you know it was great at the free throw line and had I think 17 rebounds in the game and so I you know that's from your point guard so uh, he's just had a tremendous year and uh, um, so yeah we're kind of right still in that middle thick of things I'm not sure it changes much than what we said last week on the pod not really uh, it's basically the same situation uh, they're tied with Omaha right now for fifth place a half game back of Oral Roberts who got a big win against South Dakota this past weekend UND's now a half a game and a half up on Purdue Fort Wayne so you know where we talked about last time you know the the goal for both the men and women right now is to try and play on Sunday you know avoid the seven and eight spots be in that four five six range if you can make it and the win on Saturday for the men really continue their chances for that to be a possibility. And the road, obviously, this week is going to be difficult. South Dakota State, North Dakota State on Wednesday, Saturday. Those two, of course, are tied or within a half game of each other for the conference lead. And then it's on the road against Omaha and South Dakota. But what better opportunity to make up ground on the league leaders and on the teams that are right around you by playing them? And that's the opportunity that both the men and the women have coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the ladies, uh, you know, Western uh, is third in the conference right now at eight and five. And so, you know, 
again, uh, pretty good, pretty good outfit at their place. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we just got behind and, uh, tried to find our way back, actually cut it to a two possession game at one point and ju- then just, uh, kind of ran out of steam. And, uh, so we huge weekend, huge week ahead for both, for both teams, but, uh, certainly for, for the ladies, uh, finding, finding themselves right now tied with North Dakota state at five and seven. And probably to, to get to your point is that game is going to be a huge game as far as whether or not you can avoid Saturday or not. That's it. I mean, that that's uh, there's a lot riding on that contest. And South Dakota State comes to town on Thursday, of course, the Jack women who did stumble a bit earlier this week. They lost to Denver, uh, which maybe preseason would not have been a huge surprise. But the way things have played out, that was a bit of a, a stunner there to show that they're fallible and that can, they can drop a contest. But uh, the Jacks come in on Thursday and then the huge one against NDSU on Sunday, you know, if UND can take care of business and if you either win both of those games at home and finish the season out stronger, or at least go one and one, you give them, you give yourself a much better chance to finish fifth or sixth versus, you know, finishing in seventh. Cause clearly they're not going to finish worse than seventh. The two teams below them in eighth and ninth only have one win apiece. So it's basically you're, you're looking up, you're not looking back big opportunity against NDSU to split the season series coming up on Sunday. No question. And again, uh, you know, uh, appreciate everybody, uh, you know, circling their calendars and coming on out. And it's a huge, huge I-29 week for, uh, for both teams. So uh, look forward to uh, seeing everybody out at the Betty. Yeah, final home week of the regular season. Last chance to see the men and women in action in person. So get out, support great rivalry games that are going to matter very much in the grand scheme of things come Summit League time. No doubt. Other teams in action this past weekend. A uh, couple of big wins for men's tennis and for women's tennis as well. The men's tennis team all of a sudden, seven wins in a row. They took care of business over Green Bay and Omaha on Friday and Sunday. Both 5-2 wins for them. Uh, this is a D1 record for most wins. They, they just are playing great tennis right now. And going into this little mini break, they don't play again until March the 6th. Uh, what a great, kind of a pleasant surprise that this team is playing so well right now, top to bottom. Yeah, you know. You know, uh, if you haven't made it out to choice, again, we I know we say this every week, but it's a great environment. It's great to be able to watch all six courts. But you're right, Alex. I mean, seven in a row, uh, including uh, one over Omaha to get us, you know, rolling in the Summit League. Uh, you know, it's it's a fun team. And uh, as I've said to you before, it, it, it's a team environment. So, uh, uh, again, if you haven't come out to see uh, see these guys play, feel free. It, it's, a, it's a great, great deal. And uh, price is right. Price is right, uh, uh, Alex, for sure. Can't beat it. <laughs> Can't beat it. Uh, so that's great for the men who are 7-2. and two. Now the women are 2-3. and three. They got a nice 7-0 win over Green Bay on Saturday. They play, by the way, as we speak. They're going to tip off here in like five minutes or so against Bemidji State. So when you listen to this podcast... It's a little a little too late to get out and watch the ladies, but they'll be in action again in a couple of weeks down in Des Moines, and uh, they'll be back home before the season's over. On the track and field side, uh, the men and women down in Brookings this past weekend for the South Dakota State Classic. Two school records go down. The women's distance medley relay got a school record. Erica Eads, Hannah Oscarson, Madison Overby, and Lucy Steinmeier got the record there. And then Erin Brown breaking her own record in the 60-meter hurdles. There were a bunch of other top 10 marks set. This team just keeps improving. Moving week in week out as we get closer and closer to the Summit League Championships here in two weeks. Yeah, two weeks in Fort Wayne. So uh, there's one 
more uh, tune-up on February 22nd at the uh, at the High Performance Center. So uh, should be a lot of fun as we all head towards the Summit League Championships. Uh, like you said, February 28 and 29. Leap year this year, Alex. Leap year. Don't forget it. Don't forget that extra date on your calendar. I want to mention there are a lot of both men and women in the top 10 in the rankings, but there are a ton of women from the UND side that are top six in the Summit League right now that will have a great chance or great opportunity to be all-conference performers. Uh, Lucy Steinmeier, by the way, number one in the conference in the 400. Erica Eads is number two in the 800. Madison Overby, Hannah Oscarson are four or five in the mile. Oscarson's number four in the 3K. Brown is number three in the 60-meter hurdles. Erica Benson and Izzy Wade are five, six in the high jump. And Erica Benson is number four in the pentathlon. That's a really big group of ladies that are going to perform well if they do what they've done during the regular season in Fort Wayne in two weeks. This is a UND women's team that has a great chance to finish on the podium in the team standings in the indoor championships. That's a huge deal for this program that is still getting used to this new conference. And that's a great tribute to what Christine Engel has done. And obviously such a short period of time and her predecessors, of course, Kevin Galbraith building this team, what they've done over the last couple of years. They're in position to succeed right now in a very competitive Summit League women's field. Yeah, should be great. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm always amazed watching uh, watching all of our athletes perform, but boy, when you when you get to that point where you have to do it that day, right? I mean, yeah. all your all all what you've done previously is is great. It's led up to that particular day, but boy, you got to get it done on that moment. And so, uh, so I, I I know Christine's excited about it, and uh, said hopefully uh, we'll have a good. Uh, um, one more tune up here uh, on the 22nd and then uh, and then head to Fort Wayne and have a great day. Yeah, exciting stuff. As a track guy, it gets me excited scrolling through those standards and seeing how our kids are doing so well. It's exciting. Yeah, some really good marks on both the men's and women's side. Softball, meanwhile, was in action this past weekend in rainy Louisiana. <laughs> Just, you know, I mean, they played a ton of top quality competition. Two ranked teams and number 13, Louisiana Lafayette and the number seven LSU. Uh, they also played Samford a couple of times. Didn't get the positive result in any of those games. But what a great opportunity. You mentioned last week on the pod, LSU was a team that was playing in the College World Series last year. Lafayette's obviously a top 13 team in the country. Even though you don't win any of these games... Nice to compete against those teams early in the season and get another another taste of what the big leagues are are really like in NCAA softball. Yeah, I, you know Louisiana Lafayette, uh, they are a perennial host of uh, of regionals and they are really uh, really good program. And so uh, you know we knew we had our work cut out for us uh, playing Lafayette and LSU, but you know a couple losses to Samford, three uh, nothing and three one, and those Close. probably more more in our band, if you will. Um, and so close, no, no question about it. But you know, obviously, Coach Stevens uh, is not into the close game for sure. But uh, but still played pretty well. Um, and now head to California. So uh, you know, playing. Uh, I guess weather permitting, you never know, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, looking like we're going to play five five games out there this weekend. And so uh, you know, I, I I think having gone to Louisiana and playing, uh, you know, the top flight competition like Lafayette and LSU certainly will prep you. For uh, for what's uh, ahead this weekend, and a lot of our uh, roster uh, is made up of some California kids, so I'm sure they're going to be excited about going back. 
Oh, you know it. Yeah, a lot of kids from out there going back home. The Silicon Valley Classic out in Santa Clara. Canisius, Boise State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and the hosts, Santa Clara, all on the docket. As you said, weather permitting coming up this weekend. Good chance again for Jordan Stevens and company to get a little better, taking steps in the right direction with Summit League play. Really not too far away coming up in a little over a month. No, it's just part of the uh, softball game. You know, you've got to go to climates that can uh, can host games at this point, and uh, and so that's what we're doing. And uh, uh, you know, it's an awesome opportunity for our uh, our student athletes to see the country and uh, and play the sport that they love as well. Yeah. One other UND note uh, that's happening right now. Next week, UND football begins spring practice. We kind of thought a week ago that the coaching staff was finalized. Uh, now, Malcolm Agnew is taking a position with Sacramento State. That news just came out the other day. Obviously, he'll be certainly missed a really high energy, high character guy that had been the running backs coach for the last two seasons. Now there's a position open and there's kind of a, you know, Uh, You don't want to say a rush to hire somebody, but you would like to have someone obviously in place when you start spring practice. If you could, Bill, like from your chair, talk about that, that balance between sort of trying to hurry up and get someone in place, but also trying to find the right person when there is such a quick turnaround with, with, with staff leaving so late in the game. Yeah, I I think, you know, I see it from, I guess, all, uh, all sports from my chair. And, uh, there's no doubt when, you know, someone leaves, I, I think you can, honestly say there's probably not a great time ever given the fact that it seems like there's always something going on uh within each sport you know if it was you know if it was uh you know during recruiting season you'd say boy you'd have one less person on the road or if it was during the summer it would be you know you're you're trying to work with our guys and so or there was or it's camp season or something to that effect so it never a great time for sure but uh you know we wish malcolm the best uh you know we appreciate his uh what he did for us the last couple of years years and I know his dad's working uh, with the Rams and so there's a connection out in California so there was an opportunity and and good for him uh I know Bubba will always have you know some folks that are probably on the radar screen if you will and uh uh yeah we'll we'll try to move it as as quick as we can but we are a state agency and you have to you know abide by the the, the various HR protocols and uh and we'll do that as well so uh you know again I don't know I, the older I get Alex I I don't get rushed by a lot of things <laughs> oh which is probably the right way to approach this, especially when you do have to go through those channels to make sure your boxes are checked before you go through a hiring process. And yeah, there's enough guys on that staff, of course, that they can kind of fill in some of the gaps at the beginning of spring ball if things aren't quite set up in place. Plus, the, the running backs room is kind of an experienced room now, all of a sudden, where they've got all those guys, with the exception of James Johannesson graduating. They got a lot of those guys coming back, so there'll be some, some continuity there. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it. Malcolm Agnew, the latest to leave after Eric Schmidt got an opportunity at Fresno State, you know, and we've seen this over the last couple of years, Jordan Geely leaving last year, you know, to get an opportunity with an FBS school. That's sort of the result of success and of hiring good people when you're at this level. A lot of times they're going to get opportunity to go, you know, someplace 
bigger or, you know, with the Sacramento State case, someplace closer to family, like those, those opportunities are going to be out there. So it's really a, a credit to what Bubba and what this staff has done over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, you get into this business and there, there's no doubt that, you know, you, there's just high achievers in it all over the place. And, uh, you know, if you have uh, really good folks, they're going to get opportunities. And, you know, for, for each individual, you got to look at it both from a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint. And you hope you check two boxes, right? I mean, uh, you hope you go two for two. And, uh, you know, if there's there's some personal advantage to, to going wherever you're going, um there's, you know, who's to say that isn't the right thing for somebody, right? And so at the end of the day, uh, you know, awesome opportunity uh, for, for Malcolm and uh, to go on to Troy Taylor's staff. I know Troy had a gr- great year uh, at, at, at Sac State this past year. And so uh, opportunity for him, but then it provides an opportunity for us. So, uh, and that's the way we'll uh, always approach these things as we go forward. Yeah, the right way to look at it, for sure. I always think about this sort of in the context from a TV standpoint. And my brother used to, to work at a news news station in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they were kind of the number two or number three station, depending on how you looked at it. And really, it's a smaller market. And so people would come in and he would be in charge of hiring for a while. He was the news director for a time. And you'd hire really talented people knowing that they were not going to be with you very long. Like this was going to be a stepping stone onto a bigger market or someplace else. And you kind of had to look at it like, hey, we're kind of a minor league team. We're trying to get our talent to move up and go on to the next level. And I know from from a North Dakota perspective, sometimes that's maybe hard to hear that UND is in that spot. But it's like anything. It's like Premier League soccer. When you're a mid-level team, you know your guys aren't going to be with you forever. They're going to move on to a bigger club for for a bigger opportunity, for a bigger paycheck, all those things. And that's that's okay. That's all right. In the grand scheme of things, you want your people to succeed. Because again, at the end of the day, that makes you look good that you hired good people, that you helped cultivate them and help them earn success and move on to a, to a better situation. You know, you, you just hope that you get the right person uh, at the right time, right fit. And, you know, that fit will be, uh, you know, relative to, um, you know, does it make sense, you know, the next year and the next year? I, I mean, everyone does have a shelf life when it comes to uh, particular positions that you're in. And, you know, uh, the opportunity to get uh, to have some success and then have opportunities, I, I think that's what you want to encourage when you're in a department. Um, you know, I, I, I sure hope that, you know, when we bring someone in and I'll say it, you know, loosely, if it's more entry level than more mid than more senior level, I think you have those ranges and, um, I want to see everyone progress. And there, there, there's a time where I guess maybe a, a good analogy too, right. Is maybe like triple a versus the major leagues. If, if, if I'm a third baseman in the Red Sox system right now, uh, you know, it's going to be a long time, I think. I mean, before you probably hit third base would be my guess, right? 22-year-old all-star. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just uh, – I think you want to hire great people, um, give them the opportunity to be successful. And if they if they move on, I do think you're right. I think it, it speaks more about maybe the place that they're coming from than anything. So, uh, so yeah, I think Bubba, you know, it's spoken to him a little bit and, uh, he's got a few, few, few thoughts. Um, and, uh, you know, I I do know this though, our coaches are always anxious. They're always chomping at the bit. You know, if, uh, if something were to uh, happen, you know, they, they kind of want it turned around like in a, in a minute. And, uh, and that's good. That's good. They should, they should, but there's always a process. 
Always a process. Yeah, good. Well, we'll be staying tuned to that developing story as, as that last piece of the puzzle for Bubba Schweigert's staff gets put in place before the 2020 season, the first year in the Missouri Valley. That's all I've got, Bill, from a UND side of things. Anything on your plate you want to talk about from a North Dakota or an NCAA perspective that's going on right now? No, I think we're good. I, I think, uh, you know, lots of lots of games uh, here in Grand Forks this weekend. So come on out and, uh, you know, uh, pay tribute to, uh, you know, our senior classes on the uh, basketball side would be awesome. And so uh, just should be a lot of fun this weekend. And uh, we're not too far away uh, playing uh, hockey at St. Cloud. So uh, and then not too far away just from postseason in general. So uh, all that to be said, no, I think we can I think we can make the flip. Let's do it. It's a hefty B-side this week. A lot of big topics to discuss, starting with one that really affects the team that you're supporting in your headwear today. The the banning of Manchester City from the UEFA Champions League for two years by the European Football Association. That's a huge thing. This is a, a kind of a landmark decision. Teams haven't been banned for, for financial fair play before. They've been banned for other things, for hooliganism or for, for different other things that have happened, misconduct, etc. But the fact that City has been deemed to have lied about the balancing of their books because their owner basically <laughs> fronted all the money and said it was coming from somebody else has led them to this result. And they've said they're going to appeal, of course. But this has huge ramifications for a lot of different clubs. What are your thoughts, first of all, about the harshness of this punishment, especially when you juxtapose it to what Major League Baseball just did with the Astros, who kind of, kind of, sort of did kind of the same thing a little bit? What are your thoughts? I, you know, I, it, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I, I'll start broad with you, Alex. Is the part of, I guess, my excitement of following the uh, Premier League over the last several years is just learning uh, kind of how another uh, organization runs. Uh, you know, their, their leagues and sort of the rules and regulations that they have. And I thought the financial fair play regulations is kind of interesting because it also sort of cuts into like what we're trying to potentially do from an NIL standpoint in the NCAA. I mean, we're trying, we're trying to figure out how to financially make a model occur so that then you don't have folks really, I guess, exposing that model and taking advantage of it. And it, it seems a little bit that's what City did. I guess I wasn't all that familiar with the regulation itself. I kind of did a little research this weekend. I read up on it and, you know, kind of interesting. And tell me if I have this right. But if you make, let's call it X amount of dollars from your team, and it could come from different ways, either it could be ticket sales, it could be uh, revenues from corporate sponsors, it could be, uh, there. there's a number that you all get to based on probably the same formula, and that's what you can put back into your club. And if you exceed that, or for lack of a better term, cook the books, so to speak, right? I mean, if you, if you overvalue some of that, you can then spend more on uh, on your team. And I think that's what's transpired here with City. Is that is that fair? That's pretty much correct. Yeah, it's it's all about balancing your books. And this was put in place sort of as a two-part thing. They wanted to make sure that teams weren't going into massive amounts of debt by just buying in all of these expensive players, but then not really having the money to pay for them. In, th- in this case, this is more of the bigger picture of big clubs putting in 
massive amounts of money. They can cover it because it's their own money, but they're also not balancing the books with with player sales. And in this case, Manchester City basically said that we're getting this money from the outside when really it was just Sheikh Mansour was fronting his own money and labeling it as something else, which you can't do. So the the regulations were put in place uh, to keep them keep uh, the ownership from themselves, basically. <laughs> okay, so that, that is that accurate? So that so start there, and then the other piece is no different than I guess. Let's bring it back to like NBA franchises or even Major League Baseball franchises. A lot of times you don't realize the 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 equity or the revenues until you sell the teams, and so there could be an operational expense as you go along, but the valuation of the actual franchise could be tenfold from the time you purchased it. And so just interesting that that's what they've decided to do. There must have been enough uh, teams, clubs that were overexpending, and it must have been an issue to put this in. I mean, right? I, at some stage, they, could have, they must have not been able to read a balance sheet well. <laughs> yeah, this is something that came into place a couple of years ago. Like, like to drive back to American sports, sort of as a soft salary cap kind of. And Manchester, because it really was the influence of money, a lot of times from from various nation states in the Middle East or from China or from kind of sort of out, entities outside of Europe. Remember, this is a European league and a European body that governs these clubs. And this is money coming from the outside. So they kind of had to make a way to regulate some of that. So you couldn't have, you know, from America, certainly too, there are a lot of American owners in the Premier League and across the rest of Europe. The idea was to try and find a way to sort of keep the competitive balance level without making the big clubs upset. So instead of, and and also giving the smaller clubs a chance to compete. So this sort of became the model of like, well, we'll, we'll kind of make it so you have to at least come out close to even. So even if you spend a lot of money, you have to sell some of your big players or you have to find a way to keep that competitive balance. And not every club is liked that. And Paris Saint-Germain, PSG in France, who's the biggest club there, they've gotten slaps on the wrist before. City had done the same. I think Chelsea, there have been clubs that have gotten fines for breaching financial fair play, but never like this. So, and again, I, just to understand it, let's just say I'm City and I purchase them and I look at United, and United is, is, is making three times what I'm making. I purchase this team technically under these regulations. I really can't spend more, uh, whatever. I, United, to some degree, is always going to be able to spend three times than what I'm going to be able to spend, even if I'm choosing to spend more, which my guess is that's probably what City had to deal with. Right to 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 make to to, to kind of get where they wanted to go, they needed to invest in, in some ways their own resources to 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 go get certain players to go compete against the larger clubs. It seems like that would keep stratification in a certain bands. It seems like it keeps everybody in a certain band hard to go from band A to band B to band C. It would have to be a very incremental climb. 
I mean, that's, you know, we just, we were just talking about an article about the Red Sox and Liverpool, about how Liverpool were sort of in that second tier of big clubs in Europe, maybe even the third tier, to be honest, over the last couple of years. And when the new family sports group owners came in, they knew it had to be an incremental climb. They couldn't just buy the best players in the world, partly because the best players wouldn't want to come there. They had to kind of start with more mid-level guys or younger players, hope they developed, sell them off, and then you kind of make this climb. City basically wanted to go from being a middling club to the best club in the world. And the best way to do that for them was to break the rules, essentially, and dole out some of these massive contracts. Because that's how they were able to lure in some of these people to come and be a part of the club with, with just a ton of money. And I, I apologize for City fans out there that are listening to this and are like, that's not the way it was. But that's kind of the way it was. And they were able to slowly build the club that way with some big name superstars. And then they, they spent wisely. They brought in a lot of great players that have built the club up. And now they've got great managers in there as well but i see what you're saying and it's absolutely true that the rich have sort of been able to keep the status quo and this financial fair play system benefits them in some ways because it does make it difficult for smaller clubs who get an influx of cash to then spend that cash to bring in big names because they have to have an outlay that equals it it's like the guarantee model in men's basketball Right keeps keeps the status quo. It does. I'm going to purchase a, a, a team where 75 percent of the teams win at home, and so therefore it's hard to continue to to kind of break through to a different level. It, it, you know, somewhere along the line, you have to make a choice. I'm not going to accept those guarantee dollars. I mean, that's that's kind of how you'd have to think through this. But then there's other considerations that you have to kind of figure out. Now, what? The other thing I read in this regard, too, and I, I, th- I find it interesting because there's a lot of crossover between what is happening, I think, like you said, like Major League Baseball and some of the things I think we're trying to figure out from an NCAA standpoint is I don't think City was that forthright in how they, uh, how should I say, gave um, uh, information to, to, to UEFA. And so I think there was some um, um, sadness from UEFA's standpoint on how City approached this. Yeah, could this that, could a, I be right with that? I believe you're correct. This is a case where sort of the, the cover-up is worse than the crime in UEFA's eyes a little bit. And there's a long... There's a... <sighs> There's a long history with City and with PSG, the two teams that have sort of been singled out by UEFA as teams that have just been bought by foreign owners and have just, they're not doing it the right way, quote unquote, by UEFA's standards. UEFA and, and those two clubs don't get along. And City does not like the people that are in charge of UEFA. And, and PSG doesn't either. And so there is some animosity there. So it would almost be as if, you know, if Rob Manfred just really hated the ownership group of the Miami Marlins or the Phillies or something like that. And if those two teams, you could almost say it's like Roger Goodell, who does not like the Patriots. And whenever that team sort of comes out of line, obviously there's a history there, but he seems to come down a little harder on them, like with the deflate gate situation than he did when the Vikings had the same issue where they deflated footballs or whatever. And there was nothing about that. But when the Patriots did it, it was a loss of a first round pick and a $4 million fine and all this other stuff. There seems to be some history between the two, and City did do some things that would try and diminish what they felt like were their infractions, and they've come out very strongly against this and said this has been 
this has been a witch hunt on President's Day. We'll just use that term. I think that's maybe appropriate. But in any case, right now, the punishment's in place. It's a two-year ban. It's a whatever it is, a 30 million euro fine. This means, by the way, for this season, unless the appeal gets somehow overturned, that Spurs all of a sudden... You're in the Champions League, Bill. You're in fifth place right now. Obviously, you're, you're still in the fight for fourth in an automatic spot, but City, who are currently in second, would not get one of those automatic spots to the club's biggest competition. You're in like Flynn, my man. Congratulations. Let's not have a parade yet. Uh, <laughs> let's start there. Um, it, no parades in North London at this stage of the game. Uh, although, thank God that the game went 94 minutes yesterday because uh, we needed all of them. Needed all 94, 93 and change. But uh, interestingly, uh, if it does occur, which I still be interested because I know City's appealing. And so there is an appellate process. And so I think there's an individual arbitrator or whatever you want to call it that is going to hear the case. It would seem like there's a logical, uh, oh, how should I say, hybrid to this. I think the arbitrator probably could cut it from two years to one year. I mean, it seems like they've provided the opportunity by going to two that you could go from two to one. That's what it would seem to me. (laughs) But still, that would still be good for the Spurs at this point. And... From what I gather in my Spurs history, which is, 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 is not great, but I did read this as well, is 2012, the Spurs were fourth in the league. Chelsea was sixth, but was the reigning Champions League champion. So they bumped the Spurs out. So this could be a little everything evens out sort of deal going on. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. That's so so if if anything thinks the Spurs are going to gain something or Sheffield United or whomever, uh it could be anybody. Uh there's a there's a clump. There's a much like women's and men's basketball in the Summit League, that middle clump if you will. There's there's one of those in the Premier League too and I think there's a boy I and, and Mourinho said it after the game yesterday. There's a, a number of uh, teams right now that got a jump start this past week because they, they could see fifth place as a possibility. So it'll be interesting. Uh, they, the, 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 the thing that has to happen, though, don't you think, is that the appeal has to happen pretty quick, right? It, I mean, certainly from like a sanctity of sport model yeah you'd want this to be resolved soon because like you said these are teams that then won't know their fate from a european football perspective you're going into an off season not knowing if you can attract players with champions league football or not like that's a huge thing and if you're city you want this to be drawn out as long as possible because you want to retain all these guys that you've got and hopefully still attract people to come to your club with the lore of this prestigious competition if you're these other clubs, obviously you want <laughs> you want this to be decided now, and you want this ban to be upheld. So the third the third piece to all of this is how motivated, and maybe they're just not good enough. That could be part of it. But how motivated is City going to be in the current Champions League at this point in time? Well, I think incredibly motivated. I think this would be like the, especially for a club that has kind of had this us against them mantra with UEFA now for a while. And this, remember, this is the competition they want the most. Like they've, unlike Liverpool, they've won the league now a handful of times in the last six years or so after going on that long 44 year drought or whatever that was broken in dramatic fashion last decade they've never won this competition and this is what their ownership group has coveted and they've never made a final they've made a couple semis 
but they also get Real Madrid. I mean, so that's that's the 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 other side of this is that they're going to be super motivated. This is the competition they want to win. The league now they don't even care about because they're not going to win it. And they're even if the band gets moved back a year, they're still going to finish top four because they've got such a gap over everybody else. But they've got to play a Madrid team that is typically very tough to beat in this competition and had won the thing three years in a row before Liverpool won it last year. I know Madrid's not as good this year as they have been in the past, but it's a difficult task. That's the thing. It'll be, it'll be curious to see. They're going to throw everything into this competition. They play Madrid in two weeks. Your Spurs, by the way, play on Wednesday against Leipzig, which is exciting. And we play Liverpool play on Tuesday in the Champions League. But it's going to be a tough road to get there. Even if they want this one the most, I'll be curious to see how they fare. A lot of pressure on them as well now to win it this year. It'll be interesting. And like I said, I, I, I do think it was a great B-side topic for a lot of different reasons in the sense of just how how leagues run, right? How leagues run and and sort of, I'll call it the penalties when those occur, uh, you know, uh, and uh, it just, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly significant uh, deal. Uh, like you said, the, the, this, this particular penalty has not really been doled out to this magnitude. So, uh, and there's just, so many other financial pieces to it too. The other side of it is, you know, they've got they've got some world class players, obviously, on their team. And the reality of it is, two years is a long time in somebody's you know window of of prime soccer ability. And so, you know, what are those folks doing at that point? So there, there's a lot to this, and uh, I I don't know. I could see the appellate coming back now. I don't know if they can change the ruling, whether they have to just. Uh, you know, say I'm in favor of the ruling or not. I mean, I don't know if there's a hybrid middle ground that they can take. So it'll be it'll be fascinating how this all goes. But you're right. Champions League starts this week. Liverpool has who, Alex? Uh, Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid. So they they have not been great in La Liga this year. Traditionally, they have been a great cup competition team. They've made the Champions League final in recent seasons. Um, Diego Simeone always has a very defensive-minded team, but this year the identities changed a little bit. They've kind of got this blend of new players that don't really play in that Atletico style and some old players that are getting a little bit older, but still a very a very dangerous team that they're going to have to face this weekend. Uh, or not this weekend, excuse me, this, this Tuesday. And then for you, you get Leipzig, who's Kind of the the up and comers in Germany. Um, speaking of a club that was built kind of on money, <laughs> Leipzig didn't really exist a decade ago, and now they're one of the best teams in Germany thanks to a little help from our friends at Red Bull. Amazing. I've just got to think about it. Uh, I know this uh, Tottenham's going about it the right way. In fact, we took one transfer window and didn't do anything. We I think back to back. They've been back to back transfer wins. Yeah, we just uh, we we made history that we wanted it to take such a long process. We we love the regulations so much that we're uh, we we tried to make history on uh, <laughs> making sure that we don't go too fast at all. So, um, but yeah, it should be fun. I I don't know. It's it. I do you rather start on the start at home or on the road? Is it kind of like the bottom of the first versus the top of the first? Would you rather be on the road first so that you know what you need to do? You rather be on the road. Yep. Yep. All the, there's, there's a reason why in these round of 16 games, the teams that win. So in, in this round, the teams that win the group are paired up with teams who finish seconds and the teams that win their group get to start on the road and you finish at home. You know, you want to know what you need to do in your home grounds. But at the end of the day, hey, if you find a way to win one nil at home and who knows, then then all of a sudden a goal on the road makes a big difference. Right. So yeah. that's the other thing. The, the, the road goals make such a big difference. 
One thing that I learned this weekend that I wasn't aware of in the old WCHA, when they would have the 10 team league and everybody made the conference tournament and one played 10, how they did it. It was, it was an aggregate scoring system. I didn't realize they only played two games. It wasn't a best of three. So it was whatever you had aggregate over the weekend. That's how you got to the final five in St. Paul. I wasn't aware of that, that we used to do it like that. And they've only, re- they only recently changed it to a best of three in the first round. It's kind of funny that they were taking a soccer model and applying it to hockey kind of interesting I, I like that so uh changing gears uh, last thing we'll talk about is uh i sent you an article about mookie Betts, and uh does that make you feel any better <laughs> about your issues it does a little bit i did read though a a contrarian article that basically said all that stuff was bogus and that, and that they didn't really need to do that. So that kind of put me back in square one. Bogus in what sense though? Like in a sense that if you, once you reach a certain threshold, you are going to pay a, a 97% tax or whatever it is, 98% tax. Bogus probably wasn't the right word. I think what Jason Stark said in that athletic article about the tax, all those things are financially accurate. However, The idea that the Red Sox are pointing to this and the ownership group pointing to this and saying, hey, this is why, you know, we need to trade him because we need to reset. The reality is, is that this ownership group, obviously Dave Dabrowski was at the helm, but they made all the decisions that got them to this point, knowing that Mookie Betts is going to come up for renegotiations at some point and you're going to end up in this situation. I think that's that's the thing that's so tough to take, that they sort of spent money thinking like this is never going to be an issue when you had to realize if you really just looked two years in advance, oh, wait, this might be an issue. That's fair. That, that, if you want to take that tact, that's fine, <laughs> except for the fact that that's where they were, though. Like, I, you can't deny that's where they were. And I, I was surprised, I'll say surprised, on, on a pod that I listened to that someone went down a path, usually really educated, and just kind of went straight into, boy, the, Yan- the Yankees and Dodgers, in a sense, wouldn't have ha- had this happen or or they would continue spending, something to that effect. And I'm like, I, I don't think the Red Sox are not going to spend. I-, I don't think that that's the issue. I think they they will spend. I just don't think they want to pay $2 for every dollar. And you can say exactly that. I, be- I do believe this. They knew that Mookie was not going to sign with them extended. Uh, he was going to the market and, and now they could actually make a play for him again after a year. They could, I'm not they sure could. they will. They could. I still go back to though. Was this, was this the best deal you could get at this time? Well, only one team was going to, you weren't going to trade into the Yankees. And there's probably only one team that was going to pay for him, especially given the fact how they lost the World Series again. And they didn't have, let's just say, an offseason. They, they, they missed on a few big deals in the offseason. So this was their deal in the offseason. But couldn't you let that team get a little more desperate? I just feel like the fact that they paid $48 million of David Price's salary gave them David Price and Mookie Betts. And we get a guy with a bad back, a catcher that nobody thinks is any good. And, you know, another player that maybe is a semi-decent prospect. It just seems like such a such a bad haul for one of the best players in baseball and a pitcher that still has something left. And we're going to eat half his contract. We we could we could talk about this all day. I'm. 
I read John Henry's statement this morning. Have you seen this, by the way? John Henry released a statement today. No, was it about Liverpool or the Red Sox? It was about the Red Sox. It was the FSG Red Sox group. He basically said, hey, I understand you're mad. It's really tough to give up on a player like this. We just felt like we, we needed to do it. We didn't want to let him leave for free in the summertime. Like he, he said his statement made me feel a little bit better. But at the same time, and like you mentioned, things are going to be fine. They're going to still invest. They're going to be competitive. I just, it just sucks, Bill. <laughs> it's just, the whole thing just sucks. But the amazing part of the $48 million is by them taking on $48 million, they didn't have to take on 96 times two. Or, or every dollar from there on out is multiplied times two. But why did they have to do it? Like, that's what I'm saying. Why couldn't you negotiate with the Dodgers to say, take all of it? We, we don't want to do anything with this. I get it. It's fine. It just makes it, all those little factors just make it harder to take. That, that's all. Yeah, I, I, I'll be interested to see how Mookie does uh, in a big ballpark like that. Uh, he's a great player, so he's going to do fine. That, that's not an issue. But, but is he going to be Hall of Fame Mookie? You know, I'll be interesting where 81 are taking out of Fenway Park. His defense is going to improve. I mean, that's the thing. Like the fact that he's got that big ballpark to shag fly balls down on. Like that's those metric numbers. I think he will look much better as a defensive player with all the space that he's got out there. Probably from a hitting perspective, you'd wonder if the numbers will go down a little bit. But we'll we'll see. I I just think, though, I I don't I don't think the Red Sox, even this year, they're going to score runs. I mean, they're going to, they're, 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 their lineup's good enough to score runs. Their issue is going to be pitching, and it has been. And I'm not sure Price was the answer, to tell you the truth. I worry about Chris Sale. I do. But, um, but I think they're going to be, I, I think they'll be just fine. I, I, I guess it's the difference in a sense of being with the Red Sox for, you know, 40, 43 years is that you just appreciate the four titles they had. I thought they completely overspent after the 18 season. I have no idea why they were doing that. No, no idea. And, that, and if, you, if that's what you're getting to, I can't, I got nothing for you on that one. Yeah. yeah. That's what's put them in this position. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. They have their first spring training game coming up on Saturday. If you can believe that manager list, but we're going to get out there and make it happen. So it, honest, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like the season will start. It'll be fun. I'm excited, you know, for for the spring to be here in baseball is such a big part of that. So I'll still watch, but uh, it's going to be a tough one to take seeing Mookie in a Dodgers uniform and seeing whoever is going to take his spot <laughs> in the outfield at Fenway because it's not going to be Verdugo because he's going to be on the shelf for a while because his back's all messed up. So, but anyway, moving on. So we were okay taking a messed up back, not a messed up shoulder. <laughs> Apparently, Gratterall's elbow and shoulder issues scary for goes back yeah whatever we'll figure it out backs get better it's not a recurring issue no that's a that's a one-time deal (laughs) that's a good place to end on thanks for getting me upset now (laughs) this is what i'll end with on my end is that i think we're going to take spring trading a little bit more serious than we did last year Uh, you can't take it any less seriously yeah hopefully hopefully well Ah, from Fort Myers to you, Bill. Thanks, thanks as always for for uh, I don't know for 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 keep bringing this up. Stop bringing this up. I don't ever want to talk about this again. <laughs> Appreciate you, Bill. Have a great week. We'll see you. We'll see you in in the Betty for a ton of great games this week. Looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun for sure. Thanks for listening, folks. All right, for Bill Shaves, for Cassie Nels, our producer. I'm Alex Seinert. Yes, big week of basketball hockey on the road. 
track and field at home as well. Get out and support UND Athletics home and away. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week on the Bill Chaves Podcast. Mm-hmm.